0: Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Gidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about learning to say no. Tim Ferriss is quoted as saying, what you don't do determines what you can't do. And if you don't know who Tim Ferriss is, Warren Buffett says, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that successful people say no to almost everything. I'm pretty certain that a lot of people want to learn how to say no but are not quite sure how to accomplish the task. When researching quotes about saying no my research yielded one billion ninety million results. So obviously there are a lot of people out there trying to figure out the best way to say no. In preparing for the blog and podcast about saying no, it brought to mind the story called A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. In that story, Dickens describes Ebenezer Scrooge's late partner, Jacob Marley. In the story, we hear that Jacob Marley was encircled and entwined by heavy chains and money boxes forged during a lifetime of greed and selfishness. The mental picture formed is the same as someone shackled with yes responses that they neither desire nor seek. All of these yes responses form heavy weights that burden us and weigh us down and prevent us from moving forward to a better life. Even though learning to say no is a lifelong learning experience, I think it's actually pretty hard to do. I feel like we're more programmed to say yes when we're children. All the questions that were asked normally prompt a yes response. Are you hungry? Yes. Are you a big boy or a big girl? Yes. Do you want to go for a ride? Yes. Of course, as we get older, the requests become more involved and more complex. This weekend, I know you want to be with your friends, but I'd really like you to clean your room. Do you want to join the sports team? If so, then your grades need to improve. The yes answers now involve actions that may not match our desires. Fast forward several years, and then we reach adulthood. Then the yes answers really reach maximum complexity. Your boss asks you to take on an elaborate project, and it'll involve a great deal of time and effort, and he says it'll be good for your career. Your wife asks you to spend an evening with someone you don't really care for. You tapped to chair a large and complicated charity project. These are all pretty common requests for adults and they're all easy to respond to with a a yes response. But do we really want to get involved with all of these tasks, projects, and requests? And more importantly, does even thinking about these different types of things create a knot in your stomach? Are these really the things you want to spend your time doing? Would a no response actually be more appropriate for any of these requests? Do you sometimes say yes just because it's a path of least resistance? Or maybe you really don't want your boss, wife, or charity friends upset with you? Will saying no create occupational, marital, or social problems? I know personally I've got caught in this loop before, and with some organizations it seems like the more you say yes, the more they lean on you. So you agree to do one task or project, realizing that, okay, I'll do this one thing, and then that'll be the end of it. Well, then you find out that that one thing leads to another thing, and that one thing leads to two more things. And all of a sudden, you're roped into doing a bunch of stuff that you really don't want to do. I think we've pretty much all been involved in some variation of of this scenario at some point in life. So I think it really comes down to everyone needing to clarify what's more important in their life. Is your top priority family, work, or making money? Does a short-term decision affect long-term plans and goals? You have an upcoming major life decision. Will it be permanent or can that decision be altered at a later date? The decision of what is most important will ultimately help to formulate and guide decisions that will follow. Sometimes that decision will be no. Learning how to make that decision and how it will affect different phases of your life and phases of enough is is really pretty important. So now I want to focus on no and how do we integrate no into enough? What does no mean in regards to money, mindset, and purpose? Let's look at some examples. Our first examples will involve no and money. Many financial decisions are pretty easy to say yes to even if no would be the better response. Purchasing an unnecessary new car, buying a new hot stock, taking out a larger mortgage than necessary to purchase a bigger house than needed for your family. Let's stop for just a minute here before we go on with the other examples and really kind of think about this. What really happens in a lot of these decisions? When we go to purchase a new car, buying stocks, or purchasing a new home, there's normally an intermediary, the dreaded car salesman, stockbroker, or mortgage lender. A lot of times these are the guys who put pressure on us to get either the more expensive car, buy the hot stock, or take out the bigger mortgage. You know, you can afford this house. You can afford a bigger house. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. To get this house, they really want it. Oh, and let's, let's put a pool in. Everybody has a normal car. You don't need a normal car. You need something that says you. These people are masters at what they do. They know just the right buttons to push, just the right things to say, to make us dive in and spend more money than we really want to spend. I think we've all been there at one point or another, and honestly, it really is hard to say no in some situations. And the worst-case scenario usually involves someone who's very good at what they do, and that thing that they do is usually selling you more than you really need to buy. But who's actually one of the worst actors in this field? The person who we have the hardest time telling no to? Guess that person's you. Think about when you're trying to convince yourself to start that retirement plan. Ah, oh, man, I'd really rather go on a trip. You know, it's going to cost me a lot of money, and it takes time, and do I really want to do this? I'd rather have the money now than at some point in the future. How about the creation of an emergency fund? Geez, man, i got to put this money aside, and if I don't have an emergency, it just sits there. I could find something better to do with it. I know I've heard about this future, you guy that I really need to make preparations for, but guess what? I'm going to ignore him and I'm going to focus on present you because I want to do something now. I want to spend the money now and I want to have fun now. I also know that spending money now means I don't have that money to save and I don't have that money that will be available to grow to help me out in the future. And there's definitely things that I want instead of things that I need and I really don't want to tell myself no about that. What about no decisions in work or mindset? There are many mindset decisions that are much easier to say yes to even if no would definitely be the better response. Such as taking on that additional project when you're already overwhelmed. Instead of walking away, you get involved in office politics. Or you use questionable work tactics to elevate yourself or your work status. Or you just keep on working even though you keeps telling you that you should quit working and retire. You agree to a project in which there's no personal interest. You really don't want to do it. Or not agreeing to a project that could enhance your career opportunities. Not taking time to develop friendships with coworkers, Not getting to work early enough, changing jobs too often, or stealing ideas from co-workers and claiming them as your own. Even when approaching retirement, there are indications in instances where no is the right response. I'll wait until I retire to plan my retirement. No. Not having some planned activities each day. No. Not finding something that has personal meaning to you. Not giving yourself time to adjust to retirement or immediately engaging in too many activities or overcommitting time. No, no, and no. What about sleeping and watching TV all day or making every day a pajama day or just sitting around not even attempting to learn any new hobbies or skills? Again, nope, nope, nope. For me personally, this is one skill that I've really had to struggle with. My whole life and my whole career has been about helping other people. And so when someone comes up to you and has a project or a task for you, it's pretty easy to say yes because you know it's going to help them. But over the years, I've learned to consider, even though it's going to help them, is it really going to help you? Everyone only has so much time, and it's pretty important that you decide how you want to spend that time. In one of my past blogs, I talked about the cross of life, And each decision that you make is going to affect that cross of life. Someone asks you to take an extra project on at work, well, then that means you're going to be spending more time in that arm of the cross, which also means you're going to have less time to spend with your family, doing things you like to do, or in religious pursuits. And then there's a time factor that's involved. I've said before that we all have only so much time here on earth. And once you spend the time, you don't get that time back anymore. It's spent. It's gone. So how you spend your time becomes a much more important consideration when you realize that each moment, each hour, each day that you spend, once it's spent, it's gone, and you don't ever get it back. I think age has brought a certain amount of wisdom And, of course, the fact that the older I get, the less time I have. But anyway, those things have helped me to kind of clarify where I am in life and what things that are truly important and what things I'll just need to say no to. In researching this podcast and blog, I found an article uh, from the University of Massachusetts at Dartmouth, that uh, lists seven steps that are effective in the decision-making process. And, I, and I'll go through them here. But honestly, I think it just involves clarifying what's truly important to you and what's not important and just learning to say no to the things that are not truly important to you. Will somebody's feathers get ruffled along the way? Possibly. Will some feelings get hurt? Potentially. Potentially. But I think it's important to do the things that are important to us while considering the feelings and needs of others. So let's go through these steps now. I think I said it was seven steps that are supposed to help us to make an effective decision. The first one is identify the decision. Wow, that's a big flash, isn't it? Number two, gather relevant information, collect pertinent information before you make your decision. What information is needed, the best sources of information, and how to get it. This step involves both internal and external work. Some information is internal. You seek it through a process of self-assessment. Other information is external. You'll find it online in books from other people and other sources. It's amazing they actually pay people to do this stuff that's pretty much just common sense. Uh, Number three, identify the alternatives. As you collect information, you'll probably identify several possible paths of action or alternatives. You can use your imagination and additional information to construct new alternatives. In this step, you'll list all possible and desirable alternatives. Number four, weigh the evidence. Draw on in your information and emotions to imagine what it would be like if you carried out each of the alternatives to the end. Evaluate whether the need identified in step one would be meta-resolved through the use of each alternative. As you go through this difficult internal process, you'll begin to favor certain alternatives, those that seem to have a higher potential for reaching your goal. Finally, place the alternatives in priority order based on your value system. Number five, choose among alternatives. Once you've weighed all the evidence, you are ready to select the alternative that seems to be the best one for you. You may even choose a combination of alternatives. Your choice in step five may very likely be the same or similar to the alternative you placed at the top of your list at the end of step four. Step six take action. You're now ready to take some positive action by beginning to implement the alternative you chose in step five. Step seven review your decision and its consequences. In this final step, consider the results of your decision and evaluate whether or not it has resolved the need you identified in step one. If the decision has not met the identified need, you may want to repeat certain steps of the process to make a new decision. For example, you might want to gather more detailed or somewhat different information or explore additional alternatives. Really? I think i talked in, in one of the other podcasts about taking a sheet of paper, writing on the top, what you're concerned about, and then drawing a line down the sheet of paper on one side, you put the pros of the, the decision on the other side, you put the cons of the decision, and then you just write down what you think good would happen from making this decision. Then on the other side, you write down the cons or what things bad would happen from not making the decision or what bad things could happen if you made that certain decision. Following this process, just like the seven-step process uh, outlined above, writing down things and evaluating things gives you time to to decide what you really want to do and for your mind to process it. I found that to be pretty effective for me personally and it gives me a chance to think about things and process things, and normally by the time you get down to the end of your list and think about it a little bit, you actually have made a decision. Either way, following the seven-step process that I just outlined or just taking a sheet of paper and writing down the pros and cons on on either side of the paper is going to help you to to define the nature of the decision what that decision really means to you and, and is that gonna be a yes decision for someone or is it actually gonna be a no decision here's some final thoughts the difference between successful people and really successful people is those really successful people say no to almost everything learning to say no is a lifelong learning experience at some point Everyone needs to clarify what's most important in their life. Effective decision-making is a learned process that involves seven basic steps or taking a sheet of paper and writing down what's good and what's bad and then making your decision based on that. Taking adequate time to make major decisions is time well spent. And just realize that somewhere along the way, Saying no is going to be the better decision, and, and maybe someone's feathers are going to get a little bit ruffled. But you have to decide what's most important to you. You obviously want to consider other people's feelings and how your actions will affect other people. But in the final assessment, we only have one life. We only have so much time. And we can spend our life and our time doing what other people want us to do or, or we can spend our life and our time doing things that we feel are important and valuable to ourselves and potentially to others. And I want to spend just a moment talking about the mechanics of saying no. Sometimes that's what really trips people up. Everyone gets nervous when they have to make an unpleasant decision or make an unpleasant statement to someone else about not wanting to or not being able to do something. And, of course, there's the fear of saying the wrong thing and offending someone else. I've always taught my kids that the best time to prepare for that discussion or to prepare for a a no answer is beforehand. I've coached my kids to come up with two or three statements that are concise and clearly transmit their no response and the reasons for that response. For example, John wants you to go to the basketball game tonight, but you really need to study for a test. And this test is really important and more importantly, The outcome of this test may decide whether or not you get into a professional school or program. So from there, your three responses would be, Sorry, John, I need to study. John, this test is very important and I need to make a good score on it. And John, this test is important in whether or not I'll get into a professional program. So John is going to come to you and say, Hey, come on, Pete, we really need to go to this game tonight. This is one of the most important games of the season. Sorry, John, I really need to study for this test tonight. Yeah, but this is a big rivalry game, and and everyone's going to be there. John, I understand that, but I really need to make a good grade on this test. But Pete, this is the big rivalry. This is the one we've been waiting for, and, and we only get one chance to watch this game. John, I understand that, but you know, I really need to make a good score on this test for my professional future. And the more reasons that John gives you for needing to go to the game, all you have to respond with is one of those three statements that you prepared ahead of time. In this way, you clearly transmit to John your concise, precise reasons for needing to stay home and study, and you can do it in a way that doesn't hurt his feelings but yet at the same time makes your feelings known and understood. Obviously, the same technique can be used in making and transmitting any decision to anyone for pretty much any reason. So I hope this information helps you in your learning curve, learning to say no, and developing a couple of little quick and easy techniques that help to transmit your thoughts and desires to someone else when you need to say no. From handling regret and learning to say no, we'll move over to saving for short-term goals in our next podcast. And as always, thanks to everyone for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring With Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources and Retiring with Enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with Enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer to buy or sell securities.